I'm Lisa Hyde, and welcome to the Confidence Crown Podcast. I believe one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is freedom. It all starts with your journey into self-belief and creating the confidence to live your life with abundance. Ladies, it's time to earn and own your crown and be the yes queen you are destined to be. Together, let's make it rain. I am really excited to introduce you to today's guest. She's got an amazing story, and I believe she's going to inspire all of us. Her name is Barbara Majeski. She was married, a stay-at-home mom. She raised three kids in the suburbs of New Jersey and was living what she believed to be her best life. In the summer of 2015, things began to unravel. Barbara's marriage came to a devastating end in the midst of grappling with her new reality. She had just been handed stage three cancer diagnosis. Barbara vowed that if she beat cancer and got another shot at life, she would live bigger, better, and bolder with greater purpose. With greater purpose, meaning, and intent. After two years of treatment, recovery, and divorce, Barbara began pursuing her dream career in media and launched an online community united in personal growth, purpose, and authenticity. Woo! All right, ladies, get ready. We're about to meet Barbara. All right, ladies, we're back. Well, I had quite an intro for this guest, but I'm thrilled to have her on live with us now. Barbara Majeski, you are the epitome of second chances. Like you said, this is like act two, right? You are in the prime of your life. You are doing things you've never done before. And a lot of it because you had a huge life-changing moment. So Barbara, we'd love to hear from you directly. Explain what has gone down since 2015. Oh, okay. We'll we'll jump right into it. Well, thanks for having me. I, you know, I love sharing my story because I think it really, uh, so many women can identify with it. And um, listen, in 2015, life was good, at least in the beginning of 2015. I had been doing this really great charity work for Holocaust survivors that I launched this great fundraiser in my, you know, my town, hometown of Princeton. I'd gotten a humanitarian award from Operation Smile that May for some work that I had been doing for uh, fundraising for children born with facial deformities. And I was really proud of that. And I loved that work and using my voice to help people understand the importance of supporting, you know, Operation Smile. And then that summer, my um, marriage took a major unexpected nosedive. I knew things weren't like perfect, but I was very Stepford wifey. And I was like, if I just get more perfect and get more fit and get more fabulous and be more friendly and be more perky or just don't fight with them, don't argue, don't start a fight. And you know what? Uh, I learned I got a big uh, punch in the uh, gut and... uh, it didn't matter how hard I was trying. He was, no. he, had, he, had, he had checked out. He had checked out. I, I just, hey, just relationships are a two way street. And relationships the are wife is definitely not the way to solve any problems. Sorry. Oh, no. I had to learn the hard way. Like, you know, just make him happy. Make him happy. You're not, it was, I always kind of blamed myself. Like, you know, if you could just be a little more skinny or you can be a little bit, you know, blonder or you can be a little bit more funny. And it turns out no matter how funny or blonde I was, um, <laughs> I wasn't. I'm sorry, I'm only laughing because I feel like that's the mentality I grew up with. I came from family of divorce and I always thought like, if my mom had just like, you know, maybe been nicer, or fun, like you said, funnier. And then it was like, 
And then it hit me at a certain moment, like, oh no, it had nothing to do with what she was doing. <laughs> oh my God. I think that was, we're, we're the same person. Okay. I found my, I found my, my California sister other. from another mister. She lives I, I, in I Jersey. Found I found her. I didn't know she was in Brentwood, but here yeah. she is. Uh, yeah. So I was kind of like, I really kind of adopted that for my own self. If I am as perfect as I can be, then I'm immune from a failed marriage. And it didn't work. So I got really sideswiped. I I just, uh, it was really brutal. And uh, I was really heartbroken and kind of reeling from all that when um, I got handed a stage three cancer diagnosis uh, that... (gasps) also threw me, like, I was so in denial when the doctor told me that I remember being like, my doctor was like telling me I had cancer. And I was like, yeah, no, I cannot, not right now. <laughs> you just, if you could just hold on to that diagnosis for like, I don't know, seven or 800 years, because right now my marriage is a piece of shit. And I have three kids. My kids at the time of diagnosis were three, seven, and nine years oh. old. Um, yeah. All on the, uh, you know, all aging up right up or right in the middle of it, actually. Um, so yeah, so I, um, and it's Colon Cancer Awareness Month. So I, you know, it's the month of March. I'm not sure when this will be released, but when we we're taping it, it is Colon Cancer Awareness Month. And I, that diagnosis, I was 42 years old. Damn it. Um, yeah. And they, it's really young to be diagnosed, but I'm really, now that I'm on the other side and I can share that is like, I really think it's important that people see me and know that this is what actually colon cancer looks like now. And it's so important that women get screened because I had had symptoms for years, but because I never had, you know, the language for like a colonoscopy or screening because you and I talked about it. It's like, we all know to get a mammogram and we all know to get a pap smear and we all know to check in with our physician, but do we really have the language? Is it really promoted. Can you hear that I'm in New York? Cause if yeah, there's, that's okay. The no problem. We love the reality. No, don't um, worry about reality. it. I'm in New York right now. So anyway, um, yes. So I, I got diagnosed at 42 and you know, stage three. So in the middle of a crumbling marriage, I also had to have surgery and then six months of chemo. So, um, uh, I'm sorry. Okay. So, um, my followers know that I've gone through the cancer route a few times with my family members. I'm actually, yeah. actually every single family member in my family mm-hmm. has passed away from some type of cancer. Crazy. I am, I am the lone wolf and so I'm a little obsessed. I always check those markers. I don't, yeah. I appear to have the other side of the family. I appear to have the heart disease side, but Barbara, I turned 50 this year and yep. top of the list is I need to get a colonoscopy this year. So yeah. For those who are listening who are of age, um, because I don't think insurance companies let you do it before you're 50 unless it's already in your family. So Is that correct? I have, to, I have to say this. In the last year, okay, they've good. lowered the base screening to 45 because so many people in our demographics are being, we're literally, it's like not How good. How do they not know this? Yeah, because, they, well, this is why I'm going out, you know, kind of you know, going door to door. Okay. Um, it's a big deal now, but it has been lowered. We're trying to get the word out. Good. And, um, you know, if you have it in your family, it, you should get it at 40 or if, you know, you just get it like 10 years younger, whatever age the person in your family got it, let's say they got it at 50, yep. you need to go 10 years younger. So 
if it's in your family, you really need to talk to your healthcare provider about getting a colonoscopy. And if I can say this just to inspire people to get a colonoscopy, yeah. it's a really great cleanse. Yes. Really gonna, you're going to come out so skinny. You're like going to be full party ready. <laughs> you're going to be so, like, you're going to want to be like, I'm, it's such a detox. So uh, if you're ready for spring <laughs> or yes. not ready for spring or not ready for summer. And in reality, again, for people, for people who are afraid, the prep is more the uncomfortable part than the actual procedure, correct? For sure. The procedure, you go to sleep, you wake yeah. up, you're like right. a little foggy. It's The prep is like- The prep is the annoying part. Food. Go to bed. Yeah. Like just yeah. go to bed. Just call it a day. Um, but it is, it's so important to talk to your doctors. Um, chemo is really hard. And you know this from your own experience with your family. Yeah. Chemo, like you can just avoid it. Just get a colonoscopy. Avoid Avoid it. Avoid chemo, avoid radio- uh, radiology. Like you don't want any of this if you don't need it. It does other you don't damage want surgery. to your surgery. Yeah, just, just, do you know Sorry. what people used to ask me all the time when I was in, you know, when I was going through all of it? They're like, are you scared? And I was never scared. I was annoyed. I found cancer so annoying. I think cancer is so rude. It's like it hijacked my life. I had so many better things to do than sit in an infusion suite. Yeah, I was 42, raising three kids. And there I am sitting at Sloan Kettering in the middle of New York City in the dead of winter, you know, having this poison dripped into my veins. Like, and I I'm have like, time for this. I got better things to do. I'm so much cooler than that. It's like I ski and I'm like, fun. And I like to go out and I like to eat. And here I am like laying in a, an infusion suite getting, uh, you know, poison dripped into my veins. I mean, it's annoying. A cancer is annoying. Cancer's cancer's yeah. annoying. So yeah, I that's it. my story of cancer, cancer. Um, okay. So, and just, cause I, I think this is important. You mentioned that you did have some signs early on, but you ignored them. Do you mind sharing mm-hmm. what a couple of those are? People should keep an, uh, yeah, aware. you know, um, you know, I, I was always just struggling to process food. My stomach was always distended. I felt like a potbelly pig, but anybody who saw me, were, they were always like, what are you talking about? I was also dismissed a lot because, you know, I'm not a big girl. I'm like 5'3". I maybe, I go from 115 to 125 pounds. So I'm not, I don't present, you know, you don't look at me and be like, oh, because I think we have this preconceived notion that people with colon cancer are men in their 60s, 70s, and they're overweight, they're sedentary. Well, let me tell you what colon cancer really looks like right now. They look exactly like me. They look like women that have always kind of maybe grew up on Splenda and Tab and Sweet and Low and Stackwells and we've just fed a predisposition poison, uh, which I did. That's, you know, that's my theory on all of it. And, you know, my body couldn't process and eliminate you know, the poison, it just, it's not designed that way. And I fed, you know, I fed a predisposition, I should say. Yeah. So I think colon cancer is exactly looks exactly like me right now. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big woman. I'm fit, you know, um, somewhat, I mean, I have my moments. Um, No, no, no. you're, you're, you're fit. You're healthy. Um, like I you said, try to be, and I have to say, like, I, it just, I, I don't mind like being the cover girl for colon cancer because we are so, we have just been indoctrinated with the overweight sedentary male and yeah. colon cancer looks like me mm-hmm. in our late thirties, in our forties. Um, and that was a 
to my detriment because I think I was dismissed over and over again when I brought in like, oh, I just, you know, I just don't feel like I'm processing food. I can't go to the bathroom and I, I'm always distended. And I'm like, I literally was nutribulleting everything and take out dairy, take out wheat. You're maybe you're gluten sensitive. Maybe you should stop drinking milk, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, oh I'm sitting there going through all of it as so many women do. Yep. And I want to say one other thing that I think really so many women can identify with because I have three children and I'm balancing trying all these, you know, balancing so much. And we have such a bullshit notion of like what success is as being a woman. And it's juggling more than any human should really be juggling. I really chalked up a lot of my symptoms to being a mom and having a yeah. lot to do. And I forget to take care of myself. I'm not drinking enough water and I need right. to exercise more. And it's like constantly kind of demonizing like my symptoms because I'm a mother and I, this is what I'm supposed to be. I'm a martyr or something. Mm. Um, and I share that because so many people are chalking up their symptoms to stress and oh, being overwhelmed when I'm like, that's not, there's something more sinister don't be afraid to say, listen, I just want you to schedule me a colonoscopy because I'm just, I can't eat, I can't process food and it's not just ice cream, you know, and put your oxygen mask on first ladies. Like it's, you know, before you can help others, you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself first. You really want to be a service to humanity and your kids and everyone else and be this ultimate caregiver. Then put the oxygen mask on first, take care of yourself and you can take care of others. Absolutely. (laughs) No, because I've used that term too. I I totally agree with you. But I think also really important, and I say this so often on the show, listen to what your body is telling you. It doesn't matter what we're talking, if, if it's food allergies, if it's migraines, if it's pain, that's, if you don't feel good and it's a consistent issue, go to the ends of the earth to figure out what the heck it is. Uh, you know, you're an and advocate for yourself. I yeah. think I, I have just too many stories of just, we just have to speak up and I will, you know what? I'm not going to blame anyone but myself. If you tell me I'm okay, I'm the, fr- I'm out the door. I'm right. out, out the door before you get the K. I'm like, you say, oh, okay, I'm out the door because the doctor said, and then I can feel like I checked the box. So I am definitely not always, I cannot blame anyone else in these circumstances because had I just had the, maybe if I didn't, I didn't necessarily have the language at the time, like I do today. And that's right. why I give it to other women and any platform I can of like, the word is colonoscopy and it's right up there with mammograms. Totally. Um, but I will take ownership of like, I, you tell me I'm okay. I'm out the door. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. I got, right. I, I, okay, I'm so good with that. My mom for six months complained, complained about her vision, complained about something she called floaties that kept coming across her eye and, and her ophthalmologist, they, they basically thought she was hypochondriac. They, they didn't take her complaints literally. And that is for women, a very common thing. Oh, stop complaining. You're fine. Well, for six months, this was a problem. And she finally- Can we went, talk about that? Yeah. I, I really need, I, I want to know. Is that annoying? I, that. I just had an episode with my son where we, he had a, an, a mass, this is a terrible story, but he's fine now, but he had a massive seizure two weeks ago in my kitchen. Massive, oh. out of nowhere. 14 years old. No, I, I don't even know. Massive. Oh, I go to the ER- I am in complete hysterics. Of course. I'm like Shirley MacLaine. Like I deserved an Academy Award for the drama that I brought in. 
The woman's like, well, we're going to wait and see. Maybe it's because he had a fever last week. I looked, I gave her the devil. I said, well, can we at least get an MRI? So we get an MRI and she goes, yeah, but we're not going to do an EEG. And I'm going, you know, she just looks at me like, you know, don't worry, this this too shall pass. And I'm not a hypochondriac and I'm not a drama llama and I'm nothing. I like don't fit, I don't fit any of those boxes, but my, my motherly instinct was like, why is this woman, this ER woman, and she will be getting a letter once I calm down from me because they scheduled a EEG for March 23rd. I threw my connections in Princeton was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sitting on this one. It was too dramatic. The, the, the seizure was too much. I got him an EEG that week within like record time. They called me. They're like, you need to bring him in. He has epilepsy. I got diagnosed with a child with epilepsy. And the reason At I'm 14, he got diagnosed 14. It was it's, holy uh, it's, moly. It's, uh, I'm still in denial a little bit. I'm not going to lie. And I just, I share this as you're talking about being dismissed as a hypochondriac. Because by the way, there are people out there that of course. are. And they're fucking it up. Like, stop. I don't know. Stop. Like, I don't know what to say about this because I'm so distraught that because I had connections and I'm like somebody you don't want to mess with when uh, my kids are in trouble. Um, So I like tapped all the people that I could. I got right to the front of the line and... This woman literally but it was worth it because it. you don't if had you waited I mean oh, I, catastrophic. catastrophic catastrophic when I say to you they called me at 8 a.m. the next morning I had to be in there at 9:15 she goes he's going to be medicated immediately he mm-hmm. is on the cusp of more seizures he did some pinwheel tests and I guess you know not to take us off topic but I really no. do think there is this thing where we don't want to be labeled like drama llamas hypochondriacs and everything and um, mama tigers you're just taking care of your I, kids yeah I, I mean don't even know what to say about it because I was almost like well I don't want to be I don't want to be that mom that's like did it up but then I was so I like left the ER with this like, how did my son just have a seizure and everybody thinks it's okay? <laughs> like the yeah. ER doctor looked at me like I had 72 ads. So when you talk about that experience with your mother and I talk about this seizure being like dismissed of like, it's okay, everything's going to pass. And it's like, there's such a, I'm so frustrated because you know what? There are people that are hypochondriacs and they are going into the ER every 30 seconds saying they've got Corona and they've got Pomona and they've got Shmomona. And it's, you know, and it's like, I don't know. Wh- we're not laughing say. about the virus. It's just no, the... We're not. I'm, yeah. I'm laughing about the people that, you know, sneeze and all of a sudden they've got Ebola. I, totally. I totally. No, like, but I mean, it's, it, there's a reality to this. So... I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. It's so, it makes me, I don't know what to say. So I'm like super frustrated because I got lumped in with the hypochondriacs and the cuckoo bird. But you you proved everyone wrong. So, so. And I was right. And it could have been, it could have been catastrophic had I not tapped into my intuition and put, like, I wasn't going to, you know, tapped into my intuition and said, no, 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 no. I'm not a hypochondriac. I'm not a drama queen. I'm a queen lady. I want my crown and my reign, you know. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> We're going to make it rain. Uh, no, but, but I think that's... Gotta, like, figure that out. We got to figure okay, that out. Okay, so I don't know. I Truly, the hypochondric, do they keep their annual appointments with their doctors? Do they keep... Like, are they just running into the ER every time they feel funny? So I know, like, like you said, these things are scheduled. I have my annual. 
I have my mammogram. Now I'll be having an annual colonoscopy. These are just things on my calendar forever. Mm-hmm. The extreme uh-huh. is if something is off from those consistent needs and requirements. Yeah. I mean, you got to like, listen to your body. Like I knew I was sick. Yeah. God, it's been a while. Ago, I don't know. It, it's there's such a fine line between you know, I don't know, is then we got the internet and we all think we're dying. And then I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what it is. Hopefully there's, there's an evolution because we're. And as women, a lot of it is hormones. I mean, we just go through the cycle and every, our body changes, our mood change and boy, perimenopause is a roller coaster, and then menopause is oh so fun. And so, yeah, you see a lot of changes, but you also know what your baseline is. Like, okay, normally I feel okay but all yeah. of a sudden, these things are making me not feel okay. Then you can talk to your provider in a language that makes sense because you're like, look, we had these tests a year ago. Why are they different now? And it's just, I don't know, being your or advocate. maybe it's like knowing what tests you should ask for. Totally. You know, what is, what is that? Like if I had more confidence in myself at the ER, I didn't, you know, I, I knew the word MRI, but I didn't know. And she said EEG. So I just kind of picked one and mm. I was like, well, can you at least, she goes, you don't need either. Um, and she blew it off. And I was like, lasers coming out of my eyes. And I was like, uh. you're going to go ahead and schedule that MRI while I'm here. Because I couldn't, like, I didn't know that the EEG was the one that was going to be the determined, that that's the one that triggered right. all of the, you know, the... Um, well, she was looking at my malpractice. <laughs> uh, she's getting a letter from me for sure yeah. of like, it was really reckless and she prejudged a situation because I'm sure like, you know, p- kids do have seizures because of high fevers, but Max didn't, like, she didn't, you know, right. Max didn't have a high fever and he was sick 10 days ago or prior to it. So I just think she deserves a little bit of a, a wake up call of like, you missed, you missed right. this one. Like, and you probably see been- so many people every day and you're so used to things being blown out of proportion that instead this was right under your nose and you missed it. And that's right under, right under. And yeah. you put me in the category and it could have been detrimental. So, okay. I'm glad. Uh, okay. But good news out. is. Maybe- Good news yeah. is you've got your answers. Your son is getting proper treatment and we can. And maybe some of your breathe. listeners have some yeah. thoughts on this. Like, yeah, I want, I'd love to hear what people think and how do we, how do we advocate better? And, oh, there's so much conversation there. So keep going. I'm really, I just wanted to kind of. No, I'm so glad you shared that with me. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. And again, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's got to be scary AF to go through this. So I, I'm still in trauma, but you know, he's still good looking. And I guess that counts for something. <laughs> <laughs> well, hell yeah. Um, so Barbara, in this whole life change that you've gone through from going through your divorce, being a single mom, raising these amazing three kids, dealing with your cancer and overcoming it because you are a survivor, somewhere along the line, you said, hey, I want to start a career in media. So tell yeah. us a little about how the entrepreneur in you came skyrocketing out at the yeah. at a, what others might think is an odd moment. It's totally odd. I mean, I like literally 
called a woman that I saw on Instagram and was like, Hey, I think I want to do that. Tell it. I want to be on the today show. Well, I'll tell you what the true impetus of all of this is because I hope that some of your listeners and followers maybe can identify with this kind of call to action. So when I was in cancer treatments, I wasn't doing very well. Um, chemo and I were, we weren't a match. Mm. I would get violently ill in my infusions. Um, and I came to this point at the end of, uh, so I had six months of chemo, somewhere around four months after an infusion. And I couldn't drive because I couldn't like my brain stopped working. And I was like, I just, this is it. This is it. I thought cancer is not going to kill me. Chemo is going to end me. And I was like, I think this is where my story ends. I, I, I really was like, if my story ends here, you know, what are the chapters yeah. that I want my kids to most, you know, speak about me and remember me? How are my kids going to remember me? And I kind of just started- What's your legacy going to be? What's my legacy and what do I want my kids to really know who their mother was? And I kind of was like, well, what am I most proud of? And I thought, you know what? I put myself through college and I was pretty proud of that. And then I launched a sales company when I was in my 20s that was pretty risky and ballsy. You know, back when everybody else is taking a job, I took an, you know, an opportunity and it worked out for me. And um, then I, you know, did some things in my community that I was really proud of, like the Holocaust survivor event that I was really proud of and really went well and really honored survivors in our community. And I'm a descendant of two, two survivors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, so many stories within stories. And, um, you know, I'm like kind of reflecting on all this and I was also, I had also launched this um, philanthropy initiative with Operation Smile, kind of leveraging my circle of influence to help this charity because they fixed cleft lips and cleft palates for children in areas, the spatial deformities for kids that didn't have access to basic medical care that could really change the trajectory of their lives. And I really brought the mission, their work to a larger audience. And was honored with this amazing humanitarian award in 2015. And I was really proud of it. And so I started thinking of like, okay, I really hope these highlights, my kids know that about me. And these things were hard work. But anytime, you know, as I'm kind of reflecting, I'm like, you know, I realized what got me through college and got me to start a sales company, all these things is I grew up with a brother with special needs. And when I wanted to quit and, you know, putting myself through college because it sucked, all I did was wait tables and give the money to, you know, this giant institution. Uh-huh. I thought if I, if I, if I quit, you know, and I, I hated it. I have like no memory of college other than wings and bitch, pitchers of beer. Um, uh-huh. I you know, taught aerobics at Bally's Total Fitness, March um, Yeah. So great find to the right, everybody. So I was like reflecting on all these things. And I thought every time I wanted to quit, I thought, well, I have to take care of Steven so I don't get to quit. I have to get myself through college to take care of him because I didn't want him institutionalized. That was my greatest fear. And then I thought, you know, I ran this sales company because I always thought I couldn't, I needed to make money. Like I couldn't just get paid. I had to actually find a channel that where if I worked hard, I would make money in sales and commission really kind of embodied that. I'm like, if I work hard, I can really make the money that I want to make. So I kind of 
went through this cycle of like, wow, I thank God I was seeing Kara Steven. And even Operation Smile had this kind of like, well, what if this was Steven and he didn't have a sister like me? And I kind of rolled this up in this understanding of like, if I can use my voice to not only speak for Steven, but I can speak for people like Steven, you know, I think I need, I need to do it. It's not like what I want to do. It's like, I, I have a calling and a purpose to do it. So in that moment of kind of reflecting on what my legacy would be, I realized I, you know, was, I was like, wow, thank God I was taking care of Steven. But it was in that moment of realization that I came to recognize that it was never me taking care of Steven as much as it was always Steven taking care of me. And that recognition and that understanding is a very grounding it's very grounding and it's very humbling and it's very, it's just this whole like, oh my God, this whole time I thought, look at me, how altruistic I am. When it was really, I've been given the greatest gift anybody could be given, which is the gift of purpose. I was given purpose. I was given drive. I was given no, I don't get to quit. I don't get to quit. I have to figure everything out. I don't get to quit ever. Because if I quit, I quit on him and he could be a word of the state. And that was never an option for me. So in that moment, I thought, you know, if the universe gets me the hell out of this cancer shit, it gets me out of this shithole cancer, fuck, chemo, bullshit, (laughs) hate, you know, this like miserable shit storm. I'll come back and I'll do, I'll keep doing my work. I'll live out my purpose. And that's where media kind of came in. So I got to the other side of cancer and I, the universe said to me, all right, Babs, you said you were going to go and, you know, your call to action is to give a voice to those who can't speak for themselves. So you better get to work. And that kind of led me to like media and led me to television of led me of like, you know what? I need to elevate my profile. I know what I'm good at. Listen, I'm not going to perform your colonoscopy. Okay. That's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do it. Okay. I'm not a doctor. I just want to be, I want to be clear with everybody. We all can help and serve others, but me checking out your ass is not, it's not going to serve. I'm not doing it. So if I look like, you know, so here I am like, okay, Babs, what are your gifts? You know, my gifts, my, I have, I can talk. I really love people. I love people's stories. I connect with audiences. I'm not afraid to put myself out there. I'm not afraid to fail because failure is just an op means that I tried something new and therefore I am in in and of itself. I'm not a failure. I'm a winner because I went for something and I tried it. You know, look, I suck at snowmobiling. Great. I'm still a winner because I went out and tried it. There's a picture of me and I suck, but whatever. Flipped two snowmobiles. But anyway, I I like a whole other story. Um, But that's what kind of got me into media. I'm like, you know what? I think I would love television. I think I would love it. I really want Hoda's job. I want Jenna's job. I want Savannah's (laughs) job. I want any job where I'm like, give me the mic so I can talk to people. And I want to like, you know, just like we're talking. I'm like, I just want an opportunity to shoot the breeze with people and be paid and like, yeah. and and then bring messages of purpose to an audience like the honest to god You're and this speak is in my language barb i love right? this yeah right and i feel like and you asked me such a simple question and like i just went off on a like a 90 no, minute no no but 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 you made listen you took the leap and like you said 
there's no success without failure. You've tried it a bunch of ways. I just, I want to connect with audiences. I want to use a higher profile so I can really implore people to look at their own purpose. Like I really feel like my gift of purpose was through some like being raised with a brother with special needs, which, which came with so many challenges and so much adversity and so much crazy. I call it growing up Schwartz. And, but at the end of the day, all it was, was my, it was the greatest gift I was ever given. And I think when I share that story with the understanding that we are all gifted great purpose, yeah. But sometimes purpose is just wrapped up in the most in, in tragedy and difficulty and circumstance. And I think if we can find a way to use some of the most difficult things we've been through to align us with humanity and the human experience and give us the understand that maybe what we've been through is so we can help somebody else and be a roadmap for somebody else, then it's the only emancipation from suffering. It Really impacting really, others. That is, that is our, our, that's why we're our, here. Our, our, so that brought me to television. And I through you know, I found this woman on Instagram. She was a media trainer. Everything she did, she was always on the Today Show. I was like, well, I want to go on the Today Show. I, I, and by the way, I fell out of the sky and went on the Today Show. I literally fell out of the sky. I, I love I, it. I love I, it. I Amy, love it. Amy Rosenblum out of New York, I called her and it's the most awkward call. And you'll, you'll understand when I say this, I found her on Instagram and I had her name written down for like a hundred years. And I was like, I don't know how to call somebody and be like, cause I'm 46. I'm like, I don't know how to call somebody and be like, Hey, I stalk you on Instagram. Like, I didn't know how to say that. That was it. Like, you, that, that's it. That's all you got to say. And that's the truth. Because I think it's, I, I don't know if you identify with that. It's like, it's not it's not of our generation. Our generation is, listen, my, my mother's brother's sister's uncle from Dubai gave me your number and they, you know, and, or you can do connections or school, or you have some sort of like network instead. I'm like, I have no network to you except I stalk you on Instagram. So I'm going to call you. So that's my story. And that's why I'm in media. I love sharing good tips and I will do anything. I say, no, they listen. They said, do you carve pumpkins? I carve pumpkins. <laughs> you want me to carve pumpkins? I'll carve pumpkins. You want me to make a drink? I'll make a drink. You want me to talk politics? I'll talk politics. I will find, I will do anything. And it really is with this really higher calling of, I'd love people to just, you know, come with me on this second act, this reinvention, going for everything, trying everything, making a fool out of myself at times. Um, but ultimately it's with a greater purpose to help others, you know, get out of their own way and find their own purpose. I love it, but it's all about the impact. And I think what you're doing is fantastic. And I am honored that you you gave me and my audience time today to share your amazing story. Um, you're very inspiring. It's super exciting to watch what you've done. And I am thrilled to figure out how we can collab on stuff going forward because you and I speak the same language like girl I feel like you are repeating lines that I have shared (laughs) I said it when we first started talking I'm like I think I might be your other from another you're my Um, missing sister (laughs) (laughs) here I am right here I love it I love it um yeah no but thank you I I love the opportunity to meet great people like yourself and talk about 
I'll talk about anything. Maybe we just start our own show or something. I'm in, Barb. Like, let's let's do Coast, this. East Coast, West Coast view. On right? All right? All we, can, we can rock the whole country this way. For sure. Um, let the, please, sorry, the viewers. I'm already yeah. jumping into we're doing this as a show. <laughs> um, will you let my listeners know how they can best find you and follow yeah. you so we can keep up with what you're doing? All right, fabulous. You can find me at Barbara Majeski on Instagram. You can go to my website, barbaramajeski.com and subscribe to my newsletter so that you know when upcoming shows are coming on. I can teach you how to carve pumpkins and give you <laughs> <laughs> tips on whatever they're asking me to do. I love doing it all. Um, and I'd love to hear about other people's journeys. And if you schedule your colonoscopy yep. after you hear from this, please let me know. I hope this is being received. Um, just reach out to me and be like, Babs, I scheduled my colonoscopy. It means the world to me and I appreciate it. No, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And again, that note that now 45 is the age mm-hmm. you need to be asking yes. a provider to get your screening. So do not delay um, it's on my to-do list. Um, so I will be checking in with you to let you know that I did it, but it's 45 ladies, not 50, 45, get it yep. done. Get, get her it done. done. Get her done. Thank you so much. Have All a right. wonderful, wonderful afternoon. It was a pleasure. I loved it having you on. It was great chatting with you. And thank you again for the opportunity. No, thank you. Well, I don't think I can say this enough. I do hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Barbara Majeski was just on fire with so much great value and information for you guys. Please, please, please tag us on IG with your takeaways. Ask questions. Barbara wants to make sure that you guys are taking care of yourselves. Um, So if you have any questions about colon cancer or getting a colonoscopy or anything to do about your health, let us know. And then make sure you've hit that subscribe button and tell three friends so that I know that you know that I know you're listening to The Confidence Crown.